Hey, hey, what do you say? It's Little Friday, baby. Game day here in Eastern North Carolina. Hey, ESPN Newburn listeners, it is an exclusive edition of the Sam Avila Show this afternoon for you because the NC State Wolfpack men's team are playing the second most important game of the day here in our state. I think. I don't think anybody else is in action that we care about. NC State uh, over on ESPN Greenville. If you're in the Greenville area, you can catch us on 107.5. I probably shouldn't do this, but I will plug this as an NC State fan. If you do want to hear the NC State pregame show getting underway right now and you want to hear the NC State versus the University of Massachusetts at Lowell live from the Mohegan Sun Casino in Connecticut, you can turn over to 97.9 The Bear. Uh, They will have coverage over there. So if you want to hear some Wolfpack basketball, I will be nice and tell you that is where you can go to find it. But if you just want to hear some good sports talk, then stick around today here on the Sam Avila Show because we got a good one coming up real quickly here. Von Casey going to be in studio here with me today. We're going to talk about LeBron James's extension. We're going to talk about uh, Anthony Davis's extension a little bit. We did not have time to get to it yesterday, so today we will finally tackle what is wrong with UNC fans and why do you guys not like listening to Bill Walton? Or anybody for that matter. We're going we're gonna to educate you on why Bill Walton is prime time appointment basketball commentary. We'll get to that a little bit later today. Chase Carroll from WizardsExtra.com going to join me today as well. We're going to talk some Russell Westbrook, John Wall trade. Some big NBA news last night. Caught a lot of Wizards fans off guard. We are your Washington Wizards affiliate here in Eastern North Carolina. So we're going to get into that a little bit today as well. But first and foremost, this is the Sam Avila show. Second and second foremost, I said that the NC State men's game was the second most important game going on in our state today. And I meant that because tonight on ESPN 2, 7 o'clock, and I swear to God, if anybody rolls their eyes at this, I'm going to come find you and strangle you in your car right now. The number one South Carolina Gamecocks women's basketball team is taking on the number eight ranked NC State women's basketball team. I don't talk a ton of women's basketball on this show because I know the audience. And I know many of you don't have a lot of interest in women's basketball, and I can understand that. But occasionally... There will be a moment, there will be an opportunity, there will be a situation, there will be a game, there will be a scenario that I will advise you if you want to watch some of the best athletes that you can see regardless of sport, regardless of gender, I am going to point you in that direction and let me tell you, tonight you are going to see in this very same basketball game, South Carolina versus NC State, women's basketball, 7 o'clock ESPN2, you are going to see a battle uh, for my money, the two best women's basketball collegiate players in the country right now. Yes, that's right. The two best women's basketball players in the country will be facing off tonight. Just one year ago, there were two finalists. Two finalists for the Lisa Leslie Award, which is given out to the nation's best center in women's college basketball every single year. Number one was NC State's junior forward, Alyssa Kunane. If you have not watched this young lady play, you need to start paying attention to NC State basketball because she is that dude. 
and dude is non-gender here in this situation. Alyssa Cunane is one of the best basketball players I have ever watched. And I'm not even just saying this as somebody who is biased. She is Brianna Stewart all over again. She might be better than Brianna Stewart. She just doesn't have the championships because she's not playing at UConn. But last year, Alyssa Cunane averaged 16.5 points per game. She averaged 10 rebounds per game, 1.5 assists per game, over 1.5 blocks per game, and over 1 steal per game. She was the runner-up for the Lisa Leslie Award last year. Do you know why? It's because of the young lady on the number 1 ranked South Carolina Gamecocks team by the name of Aaliyah Boston who last year won the award, last year was incredible, already off to a hot start in the early part of the year, hasn't really even had to play but like half the game so far. 11 points, 8.3 rebounds per game so far this year for Aaliyah Brown. I am letting you know right now, the best basketball that is going to be on your television tonight is NC State versus South Carolina women's basketball. Number one versus number eight. Both of these young ladies are six foot five. Both of them can run the point for their team. Both of them are their entire team. Well, no, that's not that's not necessarily fair to say because both of these teams are stacked. But Alyssa Cunane and Aaliyah Boston are, without a doubt, the two best female college basketball players in the country. And they are going to be in a showdown tonight against 7 o'clock ESPN2. I want to make sure that you guys are going to have this on your television screen. Because honestly, uh, this is a really cool opportunity if you're an NC State fan. Because this game wasn't supposed to happen. This game was not supposed to happen. So NC State opted out of a tournament that was going to be taking place in Florida because of some COVID issues. And then they announced that the ACC Big Ten Challenge was called off on the women's side. So NC State was left with no games to play. And Wes Moore, who's been there for, gosh, five, six years now at this point, uh, who has really, really blossomed this NC State basketball program into that upper echelon. And if you follow women's college basketball, you know there's only like four or five programs that are considered elite. It's not like men's college ball where you always think that somebody has an outside chance to maybe win the championship. It's not that way in women's ball. In women's ball, if you're not top four, you're probably not even thinking about being close. NC State's getting real close. So Westmore was left with an opportunity to schedule a new opponent. Take NC State's men's, for example. They lose the game to William & Mary this past week on Monday night, and they reschedule the game that's kicking off, or tipping off, rather, here in just a few minutes. The University of Massachusetts at Lowell. Not on the women's side. Wes Moore, to quote the great Ric Flair, said, if you want to be the man, you got to beat the man, right? So Wes Moore, what does, the, what does the guy do? He goes out and he gets a game matched up against the number one team in the country. The number one team in the country. Huge opportunity tonight for the NC State Wolfpack. If you want to read a really good article on this game, uh, I encourage you to head over to the newsandobserver.com. Uh, Jonas Pope the fourth, who... Came on as the NC State beat writer about six months ago. We talked to him back when he did that. Wrote up a great piece on this game tonight. But before we get this first break out of the way, I'm going to remind you before the day is over. The best game, you know what, not even of the night. Through the weekend, the best basketball game in the college level that you are going to see is tonight, NC State number eight in the country versus the South Carolina Gamecocks, number one in the country. Seven o'clock, ESPN2. It's going to be awesome. 
tune in. I encourage you to do so, even if you're one of those people who rolls your eyes at women's basketball. I get it. That's fine. But sometimes it's worth checking out because sometimes there's just one of those special matchups and you get to see some special players. Tonight is one of those nights. So again, set the reminder on your phone. There's no, there's no NFL football tonight. You've got nothing else better to do. Carolina's not playing. Duke's off. I'm not even going to talk about the Texas buzzer beater yesterday. Carolina, you guys played fine. Texas is a good basketball team. Buzzer beaters happen. There's nothing else for you to watch tonight. Broaden your horizons. ESPN 2, 7 o'clock. Number one, South Carolina versus the number two, NC State Wolfpack women's basketball teams. Mark your calendar. Mark your schedules. Make sure you are there tonight. Going to be a barn burner. Aaliyah Boston versus Alyssa Cunane. You're not going to want to miss it. When we come back, uh, let's get into it with Von Casey. Let's go ahead and knock this LeBron James, Anthony Davis. LA is going to be a legacy for a long, long time. We've got rumors circulating in the Clippers that uh, sounds like a little bit of ball going on over there at the Clippers. Can I say that on the radio? I might have to go back and get that in post. <laughs> Von Casey is going to be hanging out with me here the rest of the afternoon. Chase Carroll stopping by a little bit later from WizardsExtra.com. Going to talk some John Wall, Russell Westbrook, Westbrook excuse me, easy for me to say, Westbrook trade. Let's do it. You're listening to the Sam Avila Show right here on 252 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Sam Avila Show. Von Casey hanging out here with me this afternoon. Going to get to some Bill Walton stuff here in just a second. I am very excited. I love Bill Walton. Um, But Von, yesterday we had some NBA news, some good and some bad coming out of the West Coast. Let's start with the good here. LeBron James, it was reported by Yahoo Sports Sham Sharania yesterday that LeBron has agreed to sign a two-year, $85 million maximum extension with the L.A. Lakers, his current deal with the Lakers. Um, he was under contract for this upcoming season. He was under contract for the 21-22 season. He has a player option. And now this extension is going to keep him under contract through the 2022-23 season and the 23-24 season. So uh, two things for me. Sounds like LeBron's going to try to end his career in L.A., mm-hmm. And it really sounds like he's trying to play with or against Bronny James Jr. at some point. Amazing, wouldn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Because remember, he came into the league from from high school. That means we literally watched him completely grow up. Yeah. Like, (laughs) from, from, basically, we're going to watch him play almost as a granddad by the time that. (laughs) Essentially. I mean, by the time. Like, Bronny, who's the, who's the though in, like, three years? How old will Bronny be? Like, Bronny will be grown, won't he? 20? I think I think Bronny's, like, 16 or 17 like, right now. Yeah, yeah so it'll be, 19, like, 20, 20. 21. That's, that's a different type of athlete <laughs> yeah. right there. Yeah. Are you, is any part of you that's disappointed? So, I mean, we're basically, I think, confirming uh, a Lakers championship over the next couple of years again. Mm-hmm. And I know Anthony Davis is taking some time to mull over his contract extension. I would think that this LeBron James news also means, because the expectation is that AD is going to re-sign in L.A. Yeah. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when and for how long. Mm-hmm. He's probably going to sign that four-year max and, and be right there every step of the way with LeBron, which, to LeBron's credit, was his plan the whole time. It's like, hey, I'm going to be getting old. Here's the young, next big superstar that can you know make this aging process go a little bit smoother. Yeah, and the way LeBron has adjusted his play to match his age – becoming like a 
point five, like a point, like, right. like, <laughs> like playing any anything on playing anything on the court, becoming a, facili- a facilitator on the court. It it works and it leaves L.A. in a better position than they were before he got there. When he's gone, they actually have some recent success because you know L.A. is all, never going to go too long without success. But it had been a little bit before LeBron had got there and. Leaving the team in a good spot should endear him to to Lakers fans, just just for the way that he's doing right now, and bringing championships back to L.A. I like that you bring that up because, sort of simultaneously, there was supposed to be this immediate rise of both franchises in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. LeBron was coming to the Lakers; he was going to bring the Lakers back to prominence. Kind of did that already with the bubble. Now he's going to be sticking around for a little bit while longer. The Clippers brought in Kawhi Leonard. They brought in Paul George. This was supposed to be the next thing. What in the world was the report that you read out of Clippers camp yesterday? Please explain to me how this is falling apart right in front of our eyes. Yeah, so, okay. This is from The Athletic. Okay. and (laughs) So apparently things were not going well for the Clippers. Anybody who watched any of the games from the playoff series this year could could tell that, right? Uh, so this is what the Atlantic, the not the Atlantic, the Athletic reports. Kawhi and PG had power over their practice schedule, which does not always endear you to your fellow teammates. <laughs> Kawhi lived in San Diego, which often made him late, and teammates believed that they could choose when they played. So it seems like. In typical Clippers fashion, they did what you need to do to win. They just did it wrong. They did it badly. <laughs> uh, this is this, this is, is this is kind of a continued report because we heard yeah. when the bubble stuff ended and the Clippers season came to an end that a lot of the Clippers ancillary pieces were upset with the superstar treatment that Kawhi and George were given, and now more details have come to light, and so now. Here we are, uh, I guess uh, technically less than a month from the start of the season. We're like 19 days away from the start of the NBA season. We're getting more and more reports that it's like, if you're Paul George and you're Kawhi Leonard, you can do whatever the hell you want, and everybody else has to do what Steve Ballmer and whoever. I don't even know who's the new coach in L.A. now they've gotten rid of Doc. Good Lord. Let me, I mean, <laughs> it's, look, it, look, things fall. It sounds like it's, it's Kawhi and Paul George. <laughs> it does. Uh there had, oh, it's Ty Lue. Ty Lue. That's right. It okay. is, good Lord, yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, so, I think Ty Lue, honestly, now that we know that Ty Lue's a coach, I think that honestly might be a pretty good choice here. Ty Lue was there with LeBron right. when LeBron was in Cleveland. And this is that's not the only reason. What I'm thinking is that if you have a team that is having a problem dealing with its superstars – Mm-hmm. Or knowing how to treat superstars. It's been a while since LA has had superstars. But wouldn't you, I get what you're saying there? Like but, Ty Lue is used to this, and um, I don't know if he. If you're saying that Tyron Lue could very easily be the guy who comes in, and it's like, hey, I'm used to dealing with the big superstar. Mm-hmm. I'm going to come in and I'm going to I'm going to flex my muscle a little bit. I'm going to get everything under control. What is it about Tyron Lue that you think makes him able to do that that Doc Rivers wasn't 
able to do. Because if I was a player like Kawhi or Paul George or you know one of the countless other pieces that were on that team, and I had a problem with how the team was run last year, I wouldn't think that Tyron Lue would offer more of an authoritarian kind of coaching job yeah. at Doc Rivers. I would, If anything, I would think players would have more respect for how Doc Rivers decided to handle his superstars than Tyron Lue, who some people say is a really good coach. For my money, I've always said Ty Lue is just LeBron's puppet. And yeah. this seems like now they have a puppet in place that could maybe be more, even more malleable somehow to what Kawhi and Paul George, how they want to live their basketball life. So here's the difference, I think, between Doc Rivers and uh, Tyron Lue. Doc Rivers was with very good franchises. Doc Rivers is a very good basketball coach, but he was with franchises that actually were used to winning. Mm-hmm. That was not the Cleveland Cavaliers, and that's not the L.A. Clippers. That's a good point. So Tyron Ty- Lue was in a dysfunctional place that had the greatest basketball player of his generation there, and he was like, I know my role, and I'm going to do that role, right. and I can get everybody to go along with that role. Even if it looks like I'm a puppet on the outside, I don't call plays, I don't do this, whatever, right. we're going to win championships. L.A. seems to need that. <laughs> they need somebody who can play their role, who can who can do something. Doc was good at getting superstars to play with each other, but the problem is people don't want to play with the superstars. Yeah, and and truth be told, I mean, as as much as I love Doc Rivers, and you know now he's the coach for my Philadelphia 76ers, and I, I hope there's some success there. Doc Rivers hasn't won a whole hell of a lot of championships as a coach. Yeah, so he's got good teams. He only won one championship I in Boston. So. I think that's his only head so. coaching championship. And look, NBA championships are hard to come by. But he's had teams that should have won some. He's had teams that should have had a lot more success than they did. And Clippers. The, <laughs> see see the, the Clippers. See probably the Philadelphia 76ers over the next <laughs> two or three years. Maybe. And I hope not for <laughs> your sake. I, I actually rooting for the for the Sixers. I want I want better for y'all. But with, with with Tyron Lue and the way that things are playing out right now, I never want to label anybody a locker room cancer. Right. Because like, I always think that those reports are pretty unfair. And it's pretty unfair to Kawhi. And then, like, look, I came from Canada to <laughs> where I could have stayed and probably won a championship this year if, you know, quiet is kept, uh, to L.A. and the promise that I was here to revitalize this franchise. I made the Clippers more – I made the Clippers watchable. Right. I'm, <laughs> I'm Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> Sorry, you do have to make some accommodations for your superstar. Right. That does not mean you let them make the other players feel like garbage. But that's where I think Tyron Lue comes in with a little bit of a little bit of a way of playing people to make sure that everybody's working in the benefit of the team. How much do you? How much blame here? Do you take off the coach and you put on owner Steve Ballmer? Because oh. Steve Ballmer, to me, and it's it's a it's a positive and a negative at the same time. He was all about let's flip all this around real quick. The Clippers, we're going to go out, we're going to spend, spend, spend. We're going to trade away every every bit of our future to add Paul George alongside Kawhi Leonard. Sounds like Kawhi wanted Paul George there to begin with. That's why they made the move. And it seems like Steve Ballmer has done Steve Ballmer as much as fun as he is. Guy seems like he's a little bit of a jock sniffer. 
You know, okay. you can add this to the list of words where, like, yeah. I called Coach K a, a cabbage sniffer yeah. yesterday. You I'm the, calling everybody sniffers. Yeah, you and the nose thing, man. <laughs> Steve Ballmer, a little bit of a jock sniffer where it seems like he just wants to be the guy who's got the superstars at his fingertips. And it's like he wants to do everything he can to please them because he wants them to love him and love the Clippers and love the city and bring championships to the Clippers. And Steve Ballmer can sit there, you know, wild as hell, pumped up on the sideline during these games. Do you think maybe he's too lenient and he's giving the directive to these coaches to where it says, look, if Kawhi wants to do this, let Kawhi do it because we need him here. Look, he he owns the Clippers. Like, he, that's, uh, yeah, it might be his fault for being a little lenient, but you have to make people want to come play for the Clippers. Like, nobody wants to be second banana. Right. (laughs) Nobody, that's why the Knicks are happy. Where does that expression come from? I don't know. Why would you not want to be the second banana? I feel like the second banana would be a little bit more right because it sat there a bit longer. Probably. But nobody, I don't know. Please Google where that came from. I'm going to have to look this up. Yeah. But, when you are the owner of the Clippers, you have to make people somewhat incited to come play because right down the street is the gold standard where, you know, where legends go to be made. <laughs> You're not exactly going to excite anybody just giving them the bare minimum. <laughs> you look excited. I'm so distracted. Okay. I'm trying to figure out the second banana thing here. No, I, I'm excited to hear it. I wouldn't really. I, I, wouldn't really I haven't like, even no. found a good answer yet. Oh, man. Look at that. Second banana. So no one wants to – I don't know if I've ever used that. I mean, I would assume it's the second choice. Okay, here we go. So this is from idioms.thefreedictionary.com. Okay. Second banana. The first definition is a performer who acts as a support to a lead comedian, in parentheses, the so-called top banana, as during a burlesque or vaudeville Routine. Oh, vaudeville. Oh, okay. Uh, what is vaudeville? I don't know. That okay, is. so that's like the old. Uh, that's like the origins of a lot of things that we love, like wrestling and um, comedy and everything. So the vaudeville performers were like the. Have you seen duck soup with the um? What was it horse soup? The uh, Groucho Mart. Uh, no, I have Marjo? not seen it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> People who are old people who are listening are like, "Hey, this guy, he, yeah. <laughs> he he's on he's on his thing." Okay, here huh. we go. I, I've got it. I think I, I think I've got the the best definition here. So, top banana. Hmm. Okay, uh, this expression originated in the burlesque era. There was an extremely popular comedy skit in which the main comic was given a banana after delivering the punchline to a particularly funny joke. The skit and joke were so widely known that the term top banana was coined to refer to anyone in the top position of an organization. So then we would assume that second banana refers to someone in a lesser position. So it comes from some ancient comedy skit where yeah, so the guy with the big punchline got a banana. So what it also seems to be from a little bit of little bit of research is that uh the second banana is a straight man this is the thing from from uh comedy if you're watching uh seinfeld often played straight man on on seinfeld and by straight man you don't mean like literal straight man no 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 right you (laughs) mean you mean like the plays guy, it clean, legit, professional, buttoned up. Yeah, the straight. guy. It's the guy. It's the guy who 
he reacts to the joke. Right. So when Kramer would come in and do something crazy, Seinfeld's reaction was a part of the joke, but it was, he was playing second banana. He was letting the, uh, the supporting character get what they need to get off. Right. I will, uh, I will use the reference right here to our own radio network, the Dan Levitard show. Stu Gotts is top banana. Yeah. It's the Dan Levitard show with Stu Gotts. Yeah. But Stu Gotts is the guy who brings the joke, brings the funny, and Dan's reaction is part of the funny. Yeah. But it's he plays not, straight. It's not the punchline. Yeah. He is the straight man. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. This is very so Steve Ballmer does not want to be the straight man to the L.A. Clippers punchline. No. The Clippers are, or excuse me, the Lakers have the punchline right yeah. now. The Lakers have the championship. Steve Ballmer's trying to avoid being second banana. He's trying to figure out how he can be the guy who lands the big punchline. And it hasn't worked out so far. It hasn't, but again, it's the Clippers. Like, <laughs> you have to do something. You really, really have to convince people to come play there. Right. It's the same problem that the Knicks run into. That... You're just not. You're supposed to be. You're in this. You're in the biggest market for sports. You're in the biggest market for entertainment, and nobody wants to come play for you. <laughs> like, <laughs> like there's how. What more can you do? Like, if they had to fly people, if they had to fly Kawhi in themselves on a private jet from wherever he was living, they would do it because they're desperate and. Kawhi probably knows that. Kawhi did them a favor by coming there. Kawhi did not have to come yeah. to the Clippers. How far is San Diego to L.A.? Because if if this report is true and Kawhi was living in San Diego all of last season. I'm not sure. San Diego. We're, just, to we're learning LA. today. Yeah, we're learning. This is an educational show. It's a two-hour drive. Yeah. Well, it's 120 miles, so on the I-5, who knows how long that is. Oh, yeah. You're familiar with Cali. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure the I-5 takes some time. Oh, my. <laughs> Yeah, I'd be late to practice too, because yeah. he would have to leave in the morning <laughs> to get there. Kawhi ain't leaving in the morning to come to Clippers no. practice. I think Phil Rivers was doing the same thing. Phil Rivers, when the Chargers moved from San Diego to L.A., he didn't uproot his seventeen kids. He just made the commute every single day, and I'm sure his F one fifty pickup truck. <laughs> <laughs> Phil Rivers probably does. Phil Rivers probably owns one color of each F one fifty. He might be a Chevy guy. He might. Silverado. Um, Let's see. So the Clippers and the Lakers, speaking of first banana and second banana, Mm -hmm. uh, they actually play opening day against each other. December 22nd, NBA tip-off night. They will take on one another. Yes, ring ceremony in front of the Clippers. Ring ceremony and all, right in front of them, (laughs) opening night. Um, This is is a shout-out to uh, uh, Josiah Johnson. who is a great Twitter follow? He, he is. He pointed out. He uh, are you one of my favorite Christmas movies of all time? Is Friday After Next? Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's really a Christmas movie, but it is. It counts. It takes place during Christmas. I don't think this is from Friday After Next, but I think this is from uh, the first one, just the original Friday. Ice Cube. Uh, who was the other character? Who plays alongside Ice Mike Cube? Mike Epps. Mike Epps. Yeah, Ice Cube and Mike Epps. They run into uh, Debo. Who plays Debo? Uh, this wasn't, this was, no, uh, this wasn't Debo. No, this wasn't Debo. This was the character Terry Crews. Terry Crews. I can't remember his It's like their cousin. Yeah. (laughs) So Josiah Johnson put this out on Twitter and he said, this is, this scene from Friday is what it's going to be like when LeBron James walks in to the Staples Center on opening night and confronts Paul George and Kawhi Leonard for the first time. Just the I need to see. Yo, yo, what's up, OG, Triple OG, 
OG triple triple. OG, give a hug, dog. I'm about to go. Ah! Yeah. It's cool, dog. It's cool. Yeah, right there. Group hug. It's got to feel good for LeBron to, you know, those they, they think they're building something in that city, and then LeBron just comes in and he just blocks it. He's like, I, I see yeah. what you're trying to do. Fat chance. Like, re-ups on the extension. He's there for... I, I think we could just go ahead and say the rest of LeBron's career got to wind up in L.A. Look, man, I remember all the talk of LeBron wouldn't come to the West because he couldn't win in the West, and then he did it and took the city from what looked like the next big thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so It feels like everybody's yeah. running out of the West now that LeBron has been Dang. there. You're going to see an exodus where everybody <laughs> goes back to the East, and then it's going to be like, well, LeBron played in the week East, and then he played in the week West. I'd be like, look, man, we're going to have to – we're going to if any other superstar talent leaves the mm-hmm. West, we're going to have to have a serious talk about that <laughs> because people are skedaddling out, out of there, out of the West. <laughs> no chance. No chance to win. So, again, the big news uh, came out yesterday from Sham Sharania. LeBron has re-upped in L.A. Going to be sticking around um, for the foreseeable futures. Now under contract for four years, including this one with the L.A. Lakers. We didn't get to Bill Walton. We do that next. You're listening to The Sam Avila Show. This is The Sam Avila Show on 252 ESPN Radio. Vaughn Casey hanging out with me today. Vaughn? Yes, sir. We teased this a little bit yesterday. Yes. UNC fans in the game, the win for UNC versus Stanford on Tuesday, uh, were quite upset, quite upset, quite outraged that Bill Walton Basketball legend Bill Walton, um, in my eyes, broadcast legend as well, Bill Walton, is a little carefree and careless when he calls basketball games. Uh, UNC fans were very upset that he was on the broadcast for the UNC-Stanford game, and uh, I always enjoy irritated UNC fans, and I saw a lot of that (laughs) on the internet. So you and I were talking off-air before we came on, and I've got some sound from Bill Walton the other day that we can play for you guys, and we'll we'll get into some of that. He's like he's like the Neil deGrasse Tyson of basketball. Yeah, is kind of how I've always described Bill Walton to people. But we were sort of talking about how some people just have a real disdain for some broadcasters, one way or another. And I know you had some of your examples. I know personally a guy that I used to not be able to enjoy at all, even though he's grown on me a lot, is Chris Collinsworth, who does Sunday Night Football opposite of Al Michaels. I remember when Collinsworth first sort of came into the booth, I did not like him at all. Really? I don't know why. I think I just didn't like change. You know, I think that's a big thing. It's like, well, this... This is different. I don't like different. But over the years, Collinsworth has grown into really one of my favorite broadcasters out there. But you brought up to me before we get to Bill Walton that you as a Cowboys fan spend a lot of time in your own household, around family or friends who are also Cowboys fans. Cowboys fans do not like Troy Aikman when he is broadcasting their games. So it's not just my family. Like, Largely, a lot of people don't like hearing Troy Aikman broadcast. They are Cowboys fans. Mm-hmm. They do not like hearing Troy Aikman because, and I think it all ties back to one very specific memory. It's the Dez catch. 
So okay. I believe that Troy Aikman was broadcasting that game. And it's bad luck. Like we every time that we hear Troy Aikman broadcast, we think it's bad luck. It, it's, okay. it's <laughs> we don't every time he makes a comment on how we on we play it, it turns into some type of uh discussion of Troy Aikman's stats and how he was lucky he played on <laughs> one of the most like stacked teams of all time. I don't know what it is specifically about him because I think if you put if you put any other player from that era up there on in the booth, mm-hmm. people probably are fine with it. It's just Troy Aikman specifically that rubs Cowboys fans really the wrong way. You know, that's that's an interesting thing because when you do broadcast and my my broadcast experience as far as like doing play-by-play for games is is fairly limited. I just do the high school football and some high school basketball uh, for us here. When I am doing the Newburn Bears broadcasts, mm-hmm. I am admittedly I've had people get upset with me about this, but if let's say I, I call a Newburn versus West Craven game, mm-hmm. we are the broadcast team for the Newburn Bears. Yeah. As much as I like West Craven and love those guys over there and Coach Twitchell and them boys, I sort of always have a Try to keep it fairly even, but there's always a slight bias towards Newburn. Mm-hmm. Call every single game. Uh, I graduated from Newburn High School, but I always will hear from West Craven fans like, "Oh, you know, quit talking so good about Newburn and talk better about West Craven." There's something to. I don't do this, but there's something to these guys who are on a much, much, much higher level and more professional, where a guy like Aikman almost has to be aware of. Not being too pro cowboy mm-hmm. because it will completely turn off everybody who is not a Cowboys fan. It's like, hey, I'm tuning into a Cowboys game. Oh, Aikman's going to be calling this game. This yeah. is just going to be a big chuckle fest, big love fest between Troy Aikman and the Dallas Cowboys. I think about Duke fans do not like watching, in my experience, Duke basketball games when Jay Billis is calling the games mm-hmm. because Jay Billis is really hard on Duke. Uh, he was really hard on Duke in Tuesday night's game versus Michigan State. Do you think it's just because broadcasters try so hard to not show the favoritism that when there is a direct connection, they almost have to be a little extra with how they cover up their homerism? It could be. I think that's a part of it. But the, the same type of animus, at least in my experience, doesn't exist with Tony Romo. Like when Tony Romo broadcasts a cow, if Tony Romo broadcasts a Cowboys game, nobody, I don't hear any complaints about it because Tony Romo is very enjoyable as a broadcaster. Yeah, uh, he's really, really, really good. What's the difference there? Is it because Aikman doesn't have like the same boyish charm that Tony Romo has? It could be. It could be because Aikman. I think personally, Aikman has a problem with the Cowboys franchise, uh, <laughs> just in the way that things went while he was there. Uh, there were many, many issues that he had with front office while he was there. Right. Uh, and front office has not changed. Front office being, <laughs> being named Jerry Jones. Right. Uh, so that could that could be a part of it that he doesn't want to come off as biased. But it is an interesting phenomenon. I just don't see it with at all with, with uh, Tony Romo. Now that we have a second uh, Cowboys quarterback who did not have the success that Troy Aikman had. Mm-hmm. He didn't have three Super Bowls. Uh, 
people love Tony Romo. People just people just love him in the booth. Not so much for Troy Aikman, but it is interesting. I think Duke fans don't like anybody commentating on their <laughs> on their games at all. I think Duke fans would watch them in silence, like they were in a museum somewhere. Yes. So so let, that brings us to Mr. Bill Walton. So Bill Walton, for most of the week, was on the call for the. Maui Invitational, which did not take place in Maui. It took place, well, they said it took place in Asheville. It actually took place at Haraz Casino, which is in Cherokee, which is like an hour south of Asheville. Mm-hmm. We talked about this yesterday. But Bill Walton was on the call all week and mixed reviews. And I didn't realize there was such an outpouring for people who were anti Bill Walton. So I'm going to give you a taste here. This was from, I believe, Monday's game. I can't believe which game it was that he was calling on Monday. But this is just sort of a a brief introduction to what Bill Walton brings to the table as a broadcaster. As, As we celebrate the greatness of the Asheville area, please note that at the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, they have more than 3,000 species of fungi, courtesy of the Asheville Mushroom Club. And so as the colors keep coming stronger and stronger as the winter... So so Bill Walton, you know, sitting there previewing a basketball game, he begins to tell you about all the different kinds of mushrooms. Um, I am sure Bill Walton... If somebody's going to be the experts on the mushrooms you could find, he could steer you to the ones that would be perhaps a little bit more recreational. Bill Walton is the king of the mushroom club in Asheville, North Carolina, I would believe. So so this I, is before could, the UNC game even. This is the day before, and you're already starting to see Bill Walton in prime midseason Bill Walton form. I could see why that would rub people the wrong way, but that's basically this show. You know, sometimes we talk about sports, sometimes we talk about other stuff. You're, yeah. You're fine. Yeah. You, you yeah. learn stuff here and yeah. there. I know about two years ago, and I always remember because uh, two of the Holiday brothers were still playing at UCLA. Mm-hmm. Not Drew, but like Aaron and then the other one. And shout I just, out to I, the other one. Yeah. yeah shout, <laughs> shout out to the other one. My bad, dude. Um, but I, I always specifically remember this game because. Bill Walton was in love with the Holiday Brothers on that team, but then also gave me about a five-minute lesson on all of the different bridges that were in like the L.A. County area. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's what, and, and I thoroughly enjoyed that. I kid you not. In the middle of a basketball game, spent five minutes talking about all the different bridges in that. I mean, there's there's live basketball going on in front of him. Mm-hmm. That is Bill Walton's whole shtick, even though I don't think it's a shtick. That's he, just him. He just yeah. talks about whatever in the world he wants and whatever comes to mind. And you could say he's smart. You could say he's crazy. You could say he's an idiot. At the end of the day, the dude seems to know a lot about everything or at least has opinions yeah. and stuff that he wants to get off his chest about everything. I have always been in the camp of I have no problem having some really abstract commentary sprinkled in. Because you can turn on any basketball game at any time. We talked about the top banana. We talked about the second banana thing. Bill Walton is hes not the straight man. He is the -the off-the-wall guy that everybody else can crowd around and laugh at. Not everybody likes the same kind of comedy. Not everybody likes the same kind of humor. Mm -hmm. But I think you should be able to listen to a broadcast and appreciate the one or two times a year that you're forced to listen to Bill Walton. And he's giving you something that's a little bit different and not used to what you're hearing. 
have you ever listened to much Bill Walton commentary? Have you ever really had an opinion on it? Because I've got opinions from UNC fans I'm going to read to you. Oh, I'm I'm excited to hear the opinions from <laughs> from from UNC fans. But when it, when it comes to that, I mean there's there's always going to be room in a broadcast where it's not the most exciting part of the game. Like like you're you're not going to be that invested in the beginning of a 12 point swing. Right. Right. So when a team's building momentum, you need somebody to kind of cover the gap there and make you go like, "What? What is he <laughs> What is he talking about <laughs> while the teams are kind of catching up?" Now, it, it's a technique that people use. And I don't know if he just does it whenever he wants. I I I personally never pay attention to the broadcasters much cuz I'm usually just watching <laughs> watching the game. Yeah. Unless it's somebody <laughs> completely abhorrent. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think a couple of facts about mushrooms isn't going to hurt your precious basketball. I'm I'm sorry that these kids playing in the middle of the pandemic on a Native American reservation <laughs> is is, but it's the mushroom facts that are getting to you. The mushroom facts yeah. that's what that's what people are upset about. So here I'll play a snippet for you here. This was Bill Walton on Tuesday night, and this was probably one of the many reasons why UNC fans started to I get a little What's upset. The, name of the mountains just south of Lancaster. Uh, remind me, please. The San Gabriel Mountains. You go yes. up and over the top and you come down into Pasadena. And you ride your bike through the Angeles Crest Forest. And oh my gosh, it's spectacular. You start at Mountain High, where I always like to be. High in the mountains. And then you come down, swooping over the rolling desert. So he's talking about a bike ride that he likes to do in California. Yeah. Granted, I will remind you that this is... The score currently in the game, while he's saying all this, is 31-25 in favor of Stanford. There's two minutes and 15 seconds left in the quarter. Or, excuse me, in the half. Not the most exciting time in the game. Not the most exciting time. <laughs> Bill Walton is telling you about a bike ride he used to do. This, yeah. These are some tweets. I have compiled some tweets from UNC fans. Get Bill Walton out of the booth, please. <laughs> It is terrible. Bill Walton cannot focus on the game. Every so often, he will notice a play. And who cares about his dog's birthday, his favorite music, his favorite comedians, his favorite everything? I turned it off to watch another basketball game. Here's another one. My tweet to ESPN. I love to have the lead with. My yeah. tweet to ESPN. It's like, well, <laughs> I, I see, we assume that when you were tweeting at ESPN. I see what age of people are upset. <laughs> Get Bill Walton the hell off of TV. Ooh. He just runs his mouth all the time about nothing. How the hell does he have a job announcing games? Now he is talking about dead dads. WTF. I'm pretty mad that I have to sit here after my job. I love that. Like this person says they, had, they came home from work. I have to sit here after my job and listen to some guy say totally random crap while I watch basketball. I just turned the commentary off. Bill Walton is horrible. Is this what ESPN wants for me to watch the game on mute? That was personally my favorite because to that person, this is uh, – David Foster at Foster DVD on Twitter. Creative. He just looks like a grumpy old man. Yeah, uh, he has four followers. Uh, <laughs> Dave, man. David, I would like to explain to you that ESPN doesn't care if you have the game on mute. They don't or not. They, they don't actually care. don't even care about the ratings or if, if you, you watch, watch it. it. They, 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 they're paid already. They're already paid. 
They already got the Bill money. Walton could walk out on the court and start fighting the basketball players, and ESPN would take limited action. They would release a statement <laughs> of concern. Because I actually think it's the total opposite. People who are going to watch a UNC basketball game, and this is speaking from somebody who loves Bill Walton, you can go to BillWalton.com, and they have a listing of his TV schedule. I will plan my weekend and my week around <laughs> when I can check out a Bill Walton game. Okay. Normally it's like a Tuesday and Thursday night Pac-12 game. But we were subjected to Bill Walton this week, and UNC fans, I guess, had always avoided him. But the thing is, for me, is wouldn't you think it as a positive if you were hiring a broadcaster and it's like, this guy's kind of wacky, and he's going to bring in a different audience? Yeah. Because you're not going to lose UNC fans. As much as UNC fan can say that, like, I'm not turning, I'm not watching, or I'm going to watch this game on mute. Well, that's that's on you, bro. I would think that if you can get more people, I tune in and will watch Arizona State versus UCLA. On nine, at nine o'clock on a Tuesday night, because I know Bill Walton is <laughs> yeah, going to be on the game. They're good. bringing in a different audience. For all the people who don't like listening to Bill Walton, there are more people who will be intrigued to hear what he has to say. <laughs> yeah, it's it's honestly, again, they're playing in the middle of a pandemic <laughs> on a Native American reservation, lying and putting the Maui Invitational up, and you're like. Who is this guy teaching me things? <laughs> That's the biggest concern right. out of all of the things yes. that you're watching right yes. there. Yes, we are shuttling NC State's basketball team as we speak up to the Mohegan Sun <laughs> in Connecticut to play on a different Native American reservation and a different casino Look, just I'm, so we can get the basketball in. I'm willing to watch this sport build off the exploitation on land made from exploitation, but don't you make me learn. Right. Don't <laughs> you better you not start talking about your bike ride, Bill Walton. How dare you? Let's take a listen. More Bill Walton. It goes from the pine forest to the cacti and the Joshua trees of the Mojave Desert, and then you climb back up through the arroyos and through the canyons and the rocks, and you finally get to the top, Angeles Crest, and then it's a soaring run down into Pasadena and your home, home at last. I don't know how you how you can't like that if guy. If I knew if I knew people didn't like it, you would wait to hear the stories I would tell. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to uh the guys who always they always pair him with either Dave Pash or uh Jason Benetti. If you don't know who Jason Benetti is, he is he's one of my favorite broadcasters, but I'm just gonna just completely make fun of him here. If you ever see the movie Simon Birch, or did you read the book A Prayer for Owen Meany? I have not. Oh, this is a great movie called Simon Birch, and it's about like some young kid who has like a, a growth development issue or something. Mm-hmm. Kind of whack looking. Jason Benetti looks just like him. If anybody knows what I'm talking about, <laughs> okay. Jason Benetti is the broadcaster, and he's one of my favorite. Looks just like Simon Birch, which is a movie that is based off the old book A Prayer for Owen Meany. <laughs> I'm on BillWatton.com, and I don't know. What you expect BillWalton.com to look? Explain like. it to us. Like what if you? So you are on BillWalton.com. What is uh, what what is some of the best stuff that you can see? As okay, you get so there? it's 2003. So if we're gonna, we have to go back to 2003. Okay, this website was set up in 2000. Has to be. Uh, <laughs> and you have stumbled onto a Buffy the Vampire Slayer uh, message board with very weird fonting. And pictures of Bill Walton everywhere, okay. from his <laughs> and things from his advertisers. This is incredible. I don't. I don't. Please go 
to BillWalton.com. Bill Walton, spo- sponsor the show. Sp- <laughs> <laughs> I, I, because it's one of those websites, you know when a website was formatted a pretty long time ago that you have to, you can like scroll into the website yeah. and it moves, it jiggles when you start <laughs> right. scrolling. That's the website, but it it's it's art at this point. Honestly, I don't know if he's trolling or if this is who he is. Either way, I'm kind of sold. I'm telling you. Okay, so so let's do this. You can send Bill a note. Send Bill a note. Tell him how much you love him. Um, for all you Carolina fans out there, in honor of you, we are going to go to break here. Here is a little compilation uh, of some of the best of Bill Walton in the broadcast booth. This is why we love him, the Sam Avila Show. This is a very pro-Bill Walton show. So in honor of all of you who were mad that Bill Walton was announcing on your basketball game, I'm going to shove more Bill Walton down your throat. Here you go. This is called a glockenspiel, okay? Made famous the German name. You broke it. No, I didn't break it. It comes apart like that. That's how you transport it. So no, I went dirt. to Temecula and brought here some dirt. Yeah. And this is how you use this dirt. No, See, like don't, you, don't. you do it like this, you get it, no, you sort of no. rub it on, you get it, and then you just sort of, okay, now I'm ready to go. This is the day that we thank Michelangelo. Michelangelo, this is the day he died in 1564. Oh my gosh. Michelangelo, thank you so much. Sports Center's up next here on ESPN. Have you ever been to a volcano? The holiday season, I brought you a special oh, gift here. Now, this is not from the park. You can't do that. I brought this from my hotel room. You know, that's termites, I, right? These things? No, I've been traveling, and uh, so I, I was late. So, this is for you. So, this is a sacred piece of art, With termites history. and scorpions. You know no, that, right? no, 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 no. This is. Are you sure the one by your thumb there isn't a scorpion? No, that is my thumb. Charles Darwin, who came up with so many different scientific theories. And he went to the Galapagos. We went down there. We followed his who's journey. We? Who, who's we? Who is that? Well, inside the highlighted circle, that's me on the left. And then it's my younger brother, Andy, on the right. Better here. What the Kings have done here has just been absolutely incredible. We had a, a conga line coming from our pre-game reception. And there was over 400 people. Mickey... Driving that train, leading the parade. That's right behind him, onto the court. <laughs> this was so much fun. This is hashtag the cool room. That's Bill Walton for the win. Our show will be more real. I like to get high. Uh, oh, oh. <laughs> Hello. I'm normally and I'm normally an optimistic person, and I think that everybody can be saved. But I don't know this. This is a guy who, who loves coal. Now, I'm all about the future, right? I'm all about the stuff on the bottom. Rainbows, windmills, solar panels, rivers, yeah. flowers, children. But here's Dave sitting up here on top. I love coal. So did you read Kareem's Time Magazine piece on Kanye and Beyonce? No. It was excellent. Check that out. You know what Google is, right? So Vaughn, you said you uh, you f- you found a Sports Illustrated article that says what? Sports Illustrated. And this is from Tom Brew. <laughs> My two cents: Bill Walton and embarrassment as an analyst. ESPN needs to pull the plug. Man, y'all oppressed. What? Is- <laughs> <I'm-> <laughs> yeah. 
y'all can't be this pressed. I'm just trying to make sure he hasn't done anything super crazy or like like something no. nuts. No, like, the most crazy thing I've ever seen him do was rub dirt all over his bare chest. He took his shirt off and like rubbed dirt from Temecula all over himself. I think a part of that was in a little bit of that montage. Um, if you are somebody who does not think that you like Bill Walton in the booth, they do it once a year. I hope they do it this year. I hope this pairing happens again. There may be a reason we never saw it again. Two years ago, it was a they do the crossover broadcast where they'll have some of the NBA analysts do some broadcasts with the college basketball analysts. And they had Bill Walton and Dick Vitale calling a game together. Wow. Even that was a little bit too much for me. <laughs> that that sounds incredible. That one, it was um, it was just them talking over each other the whole time. God, I need that. I need that to happen at like the most precious moments in the final four. <laughs> I need them to do that because I would do that. I, I, I like that type of chaos. That's my thing. Like, how do, how are people so mad that he's doing a random broadcast on ESPN two? On a Tuesday night. It's like, you have better things to worry about. You couldn't be that invested in the UNC-Stanford game. No. You couldn't be. Uh Uh-uh. No, I'm with you. Like, people who get upset about the broadcasters, it's just like, hey, just... Just watch the game and get over it. Turn it on mute. Simulcast your radio up to it. I could see in, like, a a sport like college football, because every game of college football kind of matters for playoffs. Yeah. Most years. I guess if you're listening on the radio, you want them to be telling you what's happening. But you're watching on TV. You can see for yourself. on TV, and they have closed captioning. You should be fine. (laughs) At some point, you've got to think you've got to get annoyed hearing... Well, that was a really nice pass there from Caleb Love. Look at how he finds finds the nice backdoor cut there. How many times do you need to hear that in a game? Most Carolina just needs to do a better job of boxing out and rebounding. Most so. people want to hear that. Most, I think what most people want from sports analysis is points that they can tell their friends later. That's what I, that's what I figured out. It's like, they, like, like you said, Carolina needs to box out. Like, yeah, it's, you know, Carolina's problem is they, they need to box out. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's like give me the conversation that I can have tomorrow when yes. I'm talking to my friends yeah. about when the I'm, game. When I'm arguing with somebody, give me the point. Like, well, no, 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 no. I watched the game. Carolina needs to box out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I watched the whole thing. You can't go in there and be like, well, no, 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 no. I was riding bikes down the Syracuse Mountains. No, 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 no. We don't need to shoot more threes. Michelangelo died in 1594. <laughs> <laughs> can't do that so that, that's why i think most people are upset. here's the point you need to go and tell your friends bill walton calling basketball games is fun and if you don't like it well then you are just not a fun haver we are fun havers here on the sam mavelous show more fun von casey hanging out here with me this afternoon more fun on the other side and welcome back to the sam avalis show a little blink 182 i miss you Getting us started here in the 5 o'clock hour. Who are we missing today? Well, Washington Wizards fans. I surprisingly know a handful of you. About 8.15 last night, some sad, heartbreaking news. As the beloved John Wall, as, as the Wizards have been paying John Wall, what, $40 million a year or so for the last two seasons for him to sit at home? The beloved John Wall, who was set to make his NBA return, 
and perhaps what may have been the final moment to see if Bradley Beal and John Wall could lead the Washington Wizards to the promised land. The announcement last night that the Houston Rockets and the Washington Wizards have agreed to a trade that would send Russell Westbrook, that's right, Russell Westbrook, heading to Houston in exchange for John Wall and a first-round pick. Now, my initial reaction was, hmm, because I don't consider myself a Wizards fan. I consider myself a Wizards observer and a Wizards fan agitator. Because, as I said, I do have a couple of close friends who are pretty big Wizards fans. I don't know why anybody would want to be a Wizards fan is beyond me. But you know what? We carry them here on the radio, and they're a fun team. There's something to cheering about one, cheering for one of those mid-level NBA teams. But my initial reaction was kind of blah. And then I saw that they also gave up a first-round pick, the Wizards did, um, which was concerning. But now as I've gotten more information, it seems as if this is a very heavily protected first-round pick that the Washington Wizards are receiving in exchange uh, for, or excuse me, they're giving up in exchange for Russell Westbrook. So a chance that they actually still end up hanging on to that first-round pick. If you don't know what the, the protected stuff means, it kind of is based on you know, when they do these lotteries and the draft pick seedings, if uh, it has, it would have to exist in a certain range. I'm not sure exactly what that range is, uh, what the protections are, but it's basically sometimes these trades are like, okay, the only way the Rockets get that pick is if the Washington Wizards have selection 8 through 13 or something like that. So Russell Westbrook on his way to the Washington Wizards. Let's do this. Let's let's get somebody on the line who has a little bit more knowledge and has a little bit more insight here on the line. Happy to be joined now. We had him on a couple of weeks ago pre-draft for the Washington Wizards. Chase Carroll joining the show here. Uh, you can check out his stuff, uh, you can find his podcast wherever you find podcasts, Wizards Walkthrough with Chase Carroll. You can also head over to wizardsextra.com where he does some writing for the Washington Wizards. Chase Carroll joining us here on the Sam Avalis Show. Chase, I know you're busy today, man, but I imagine that your happiness levels have, I got to imagine that they've changed a little bit since you and I last talked, especially with the news over the last 24 hours or so that John Wall is leaving the district, and the era of John Wall and Bradley Beal has officially come to an end, and now you are stuck with Russell Westbrook. A couple of years ago, I wouldn't imagine I had used the word stuck with Russell Westbrook, but how have you digested all of this over the last few hours? So uh, I would say the instant reaction that me as a Wizards fan, and I know just about the entire fan base, was not happy with this trade at first. I know... Uh, John Wall has been here a decade in D.C., uh, hasn't really played in the last two years, but he's been the the heart of Washington, D.C. for the last decade, which um, other than Udonis Haslam he and, and Steph Curry, John Wall was with the Wizards longer than any one player has been with a franchise in the present NBA. So um, that he, he had a big impact on the Washington Wizards' hearts uh, of the fan base. And um, he, he really did a lot for the community and continues to do a lot for the D.C. community. So when, when you look at it from that aspect, trading away a guy like John Wall is just um, – it, it's hard to, to grasp. Uh, you know, I, I was actually in middle school or, or early high school 
you know, growing up watching John Wall, this guy was my favorite player. Um, you know, and, and I feel like I was the biggest Washington Wizards fan there was in high school. And, and this guy was my favorite player. So, um, you know, this, this, from that level, it, it hurts. But when you look at it from a basketball perspective, uh, coming off of two years of injuries and, um, you know, even then a couple of years ago, he, he didn't look like he had that same burst um, because he had bone spurs in his feet. Um, he's been injured for the last few years. So from the basketball perspective, you don't really know what you're going to get moving forward with John Wall. He's um, He looks great in his off-season workout videos, but but as I said a couple weeks ago, um, that's, that's off-season workout Instagram videos. Everyone looks good in the off-season. Can he bring it onto a court, uh, a basketball environment in the NBA that is unlike playing in pickup games in the off-season? Can he continue to do that i don't know um i i really did want to see it i wanted to see him play with uh, a 30 point per game scoring bradley beal because this is a bradley beal unlike the wizards have ever had with john wall so we we really did want to see what that was like um and, and obviously we're not going to be able to see that you, you put in russell westbrook does he fit as well in there as as john wall did um Right now, I would say I don't see it as, as being a fit over John Wall. I, I feel like John Wall fit with Bradley Beal better. But at the same time, we did kind of see what the what, where the Wizards could get with a John Wall and Bradley Beal. I think we saw that in 2017. They were a game away from a, a conference uh, finals, but they didn't make it. So um, I feel like we probably saw the peak of John Wall and Bradley Beal I guess you you could say it was worth a shakeup, but only time will tell if this really will work. Okay, so <laughs> I'm talking as a Knicks fan. Okay, it's just oh, hard man. to it's just hard. Don't old man me. <laughs> it's just hard to hear me hear anybody else complain about getting a superstar on their team when I have to be happy about Obi Toppin. <laughs> out of obligation. So, but is one thing I'm curious about. You talked about Beal being with Westbrook. Who do you think is the facilitator on the team now? Because Wall obviously was the point person when he was healthy, uh, seemed to be the leader of the team. Where does that come from now? Do you think Russ steps into that position automatically? Or where do you think, where's the ball going to flow through? See, that's that's the big question there is both Bradley Beal over the last two years has become more ball dominant than when he ever played with John Wall. He's he's a great facilitator, but now you, you see that you want the ball in Bradley Beal's hands. That's a guy that can score 30 points per game, but at the same time, he can facilitate. Um, he, he averaged over six assists this year, which, you know, he's he's increased his assists per game every single season. Um He's shown that he's a better ball handler, better facilitator than he's ever been. But at the same time, you want him being your scorer. I thought John Wall was going to come right back in and be that, you know, eight to ten assists per per night kind of guy. Um, I mean, that that is what Russell Westbrook can do. But he does that at a, in a more ball dominant role. He does that in a more, um, you know, more. Russell Westbrook centered offense. It, it wasn't more so a, a John Wall centered offense. It was, you know, it, it was a, uh, it was spread around to everyone when John Wall was around. 
I'm not so sure that's the same style of play Russell Westbrook likes to play. Um, and and I, I don't think he's willing to take that secondary role. I, I think we saw he didn't like that with James Harden. He wanted out. He said he really wanted to be that uh, ball-dominant guy again that he, he was in OKC. He, he wants the MVP-level stats, I think. And I don't know if he's going to be willing to take a back seat to Bradley Beal, who hasn't even made an all-NBA team, but he – he is the center of this team. They keep saying they want to build it around him. And, and Russell Westbrook is aging. He's 32 years old. So, um, you know, who's going to be the facilitator? I, I would like to say that it will be Russ. I, I just don't know if, if that's the role he wants to play. And I hope that he's willing to play that facilitating role and, and play team basketball. Because when, when he's not taking bad shots and he's just attacking the rim and dishing out to his guys, getting rebounds. He's a he's a good player. He's a superstar. He's an MVP level player at his peak. But um, you know, is it going to contribute to winning basketball in DC with with you know the the guys that we have around him? I hope so, but I'm not I'm not you know 100 percent sold just yet. Chase Carroll joining us here on the Sam Mavlo Show. You can follow him on Twitter at Chase Carroll. He's a Washington Wizards writer for WizardsExtra.com. You can check out his podcast, Wizards Walkthrough with Chase Carroll, wherever you get your podcast. Chase, it doesn't sound like you wanted this trade to happen. Don't sound too happy. So, so my, yeah, not like not at all. So my question is, who do you think wanted this less? Do you think Russell Westbrook wanted less to do with being in Washington or that Bradley Beal wanted less to do with Russell Westbrook in Washington? So I, I, think, uh, I think Bradley Beal will like Russell Westbrook in Washington. I feel like they don't go through with that deal um, without talking to Bradley Beal I've, because Tommy Shepard, the GM of the Washington Wizards, has, has continued to say we're building this team around Bradley Beal. He hasn't mentioned John Wall in, the, in those conversations. So you, you kind of saw the writing on the wall. But Nice. Good yeah, pun. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll pretend that was intended. But, um, <laughs> yeah, th- it, this is being built around Bradley Beal. So you'd have to think that they consulted him on this deal, that they said, hey, we're going to deal John Wall. I'm not so sure John Wall, you know, wanted to be here. I, I think he may have actually demanded a trade. We heard Tommy Shepard say that that he didn't. I'm not so sure that's that's uh, what we're supposed to believe here. It sounds like uh, he he did. So, um, you know, I I think uh, Bradley Beal will be welcoming of, of Russell Westbrook at first, but um, because at the end of the day, he is a star. He's a MVP level player at his peak. If if he's playing at his at his best. Uh, we didn't see that in the bubble recently. We saw uh, what I thought to be a washed up Russell Westbrook, but at the same time, I'm, I'm willing to see if it can work because if, if, if it does work, I mean, then Bradley Beal stays. Um, he's happy. I think this, this could be a good regular season team. When you look at it, um, Russell Westbrook does, does contribute to regular season success over his career. So um, if they can just keep Bradley Beal happy, keep him him wanting to stick around, maybe have a little bit of playoff success at some point. Um, you know, that's that's all I'm looking for. So one thing that usually can mess up a team is uh, continuity not being there in in the locker room. So since, you know, you just said the John Wall staple of the franchise, I think you said the longest serving player that y'all have had with the new crop of rookies that y'all have, how do you think this will affect 
them or locker room chemistry in general since Russ is just getting there and trying to get his footing as well? I think it's definitely going to affect things because you, you look at last year's rookie, Rui Hachimura. He was really the second or third guy in line um, behind Bradley Beal last season with John Wall not, not in the picture. So you add in Russell Westbrook, that probably limits Rui's touches. That that, that limits um, uh, probably some of the things he does pretty well because Russell Westbrook's really ball dominant. Um, John Wall is a little bit too, but to a lesser extent, in my opinion. So you put in Russell Westbrook there. I, I think uh, it affects him. I think uh, their rookie that they just drafted this year, Denny Avija, he's uh, he's also a guy that you want the ball in his hands. He's not a great off-ball player. So I think uh, putting Russell Westbrook in there probably stunts his growth. Um, from a locker room perspective, I – I'm not so sure because it seems like he, he butted heads with a couple guys in Houston. I'm not so sure what was going on in, in that locker room. I'm not sure if Russell Westbrook's to blame or James Harden or, or someone else, but um, there seemed to be something going on there. So I, I'm hoping that Russell Westbrook can just seamlessly enter this locker room and because this is a good young group of guys. That's something that Tommy Shepard has prided himself on building in Washington is um, you know a good – bunch of guys that that you really look at and and aren't embarrassed about because if you look at the last era of washington <laughs> wizards basketball you had andre blatch nick young gilbert arenas uh javel mcgee the, the list goes on and on with with those guys we're trying to distance ourselves from that era and i think that's partly what this john wall trade is is about i because you know we've seen some some things in the news of John Wall off the court that haven't been um, you know a good light on him and and I know that the GM really did not like those things coming out about him um, so I, I think this is partially a, a swiping clean of, of the environment of the Washington Wizards and unfortunately John Wall had to be the guy to go in, in order for the, for this image to be a Bradley Beal centered team um, will Russell Westbrook uh, will he will he accept that? I hope so, um, but but we'll see if it works. I, I'm ready to you know a, a day after it happens. I'm I'm willing to see if it works. I think that's an interesting conversation to sort of continue there because Russell Westbrook sort of has experience being on a younger team. I mean, Bradley Beal, there may be some other vets out there, but Bradley Beal, as far as players who contribute, is the most elder player on that team. And even he's only 27 years old, I think. Russell Westbrook has already been through the ringer with a young team, with young players as the featured pieces. That was Oklahoma City, and it seemed like he couldn't wait to get out of Oklahoma City. He didn't want to sort of be the babysitter and be the mentor. Chris Paul was perfect for that role. You saw what he did in Oklahoma City this year. So my question is, do you feel like there's any staying power in this move? Uh, He's under contract for this season. He's under contract for next season. And then Westbrook will have a player option in the 2022-23 season. Do you think there's any chance we even see Westbrook with the decision to make in 22-23 with that player option? Or is this just a stepping stone and maybe another move for Tommy Shepard involving Russell Westbrook coming down the road? Yeah, I can't see Russell Westbrook declining a player option three years down the line. I think he'll be 35, 36 years old at that point. And uh, with the game that he plays, it's based on athleticism. It's not based on shooting. It's not really based on... Um, you know, those kind of things. It's based on his explosion. 
I think he may lose that in in a, the next couple of years, which is why this is this trade is. Um, when you look at it from that perspective, John Wall was only 30 years old. Um, yes, he's coming off a serious Achilles injury, so you don't know what what he's going to be. But he looks like he's still explosive. He looks like uh, you know everything that I've heard about John Wall in this offseason from people that have watched him have said that he's still got that explosion. So you look at it from from this trade from that ex- the from that perspective. Um, yeah, you're getting an older Russell Westbrook who could diminish even quicker than a John Wall coming off an injury because Russell Westbrook has had some injury concerns over his career himself. So um, you're getting an older Russell Westbrook. Um, I, I really hope it works, man. That's <laughs> that's because I, I hope that it, it just he continues to have that explosion over the next three years and we don't even have to worry about I hope it works. So we don't even have to worry about what our next move is. Um but but as things have gone in in Washington Wizards world, um, they don't go your way normally. So uh, I'm not going to complain because I know we have a Knicks fan here. Um, so uh, I know <laughs> things you. could be worse. I'm 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 optimistic that this will will work out for us in in our favor. And uh, but but at the end of the day, we just have to wait and see. Again, want to invite everybody to head over to WizardsExtra.com. Chase Carroll joining us here. He writes for WizardsExtra.com. You can also check out his podcast if you need more information. I'm sure you're going to have plenty that you're going to put out involving this trade. The podcast is Wizards Walkthrough with Chase Carroll. So, Chase, before I let you go, one final question here. Uh, And you can keep it brief if you can. Did the Wizards get better? And in the first year of Tommy Shepard being the new GM in Washington, because I remember your disdain for the previous regime, do you like what Tommy Shepard has done so far? Did this trade maybe uh, lessen that grade in your eye a little bit? Uh, to I would say short term, the Wizards got better in in the sense that uh, if John Wall was was causing issues in the locker room, if if he was going to be a problem in Washington, then you do get better by adding Russell Westbrook. But in the long term, in the next, you know, two, three years, are we better from it? I, I, I think, uh, probably not. I think, um, we may be hurting in the long run here. So, um, to, to your Tommy Shepard question, um, he's done some good things to start his, his wizards regime. But at, at the end of the day, I don't think he's made the moves that, the Wizards fan base is necessarily happy with. I think they are upset with with this wall trade for sure. Um, I I am a little bit too to an extent, but um, uh, we have to wait and see. Year one, I was happy. I was happy with the young guys he brought in, and he continued to bring in young guys again. I I think in year two, we wanted to see more veterans. We wanted to see guys that could really contribute um, and, and maybe get some of these young guys out he opted to just keep all of his young guys and and hope that they just develop a bit uh but but we're gonna need to see him develop quickly because bradley beal he wants to see wins now and i know russell westbrook's a guy who does not tolerate losing either so we're, we're gonna need to see wins before or this is gonna go south quickly um so i i do uh i would give him a probably a c grade right now not a failing grade but he's he hasn't done anything to to really stand out yet but i I guess we'll see maybe russell westbrook was was his a plus grade waiting to happen 
I hear you, man. Well, look, if I've ever learned anything in life, it's that C's get degrees. So, you know, it could be much worse, right? I know. I think everybody here on this phone call is familiar with that phrase. (laughs) Chase, thanks so much for your time, man. I know you are moving today. Uh, I hope you were a good friend and did not ask any of your friends to help you move. If you need more Chase Carroll in your life, again, you can follow him on Twitter at Chase Carroll. Two L's. It's not like Christmas Carol. It's double R, double L there. You can check out his work on wizardsextra.com and subscribe to his podcast if you need some more Wizards information. Wizards Walkthrough with Chase Carroll. Chase, thanks so much, man. Uh, We'll certainly be reaching back out to you as we get a little closer to the season. Absolutely. Looking forward to it, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, buddy. All right, so let's uh, let's bring it back in studio here. Appreciate Chase stopping by. Vaughn, when you saw this last night, uh, immediately, uh, I tweeted out, "Damn!" And a sec, and a first round pick. And the first round pick. It sounds like there's a lot of protections on that first round mm-hmm. pick, so there is a chance that I'd they imagine. can end up retaining that thing. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. To me, it just sort of seemed like a, a useless trade. I feel like this is going to end up causing more problems for the Wizards than it's going to fix. So. When I first saw it, I was just about to send it to you because I had just seen it, and then you tweeted it out. I was like, okay, good. He's seen it. <laughs> He's seen it. Because I remember when we I left yesterday, I was like, you never know what kind of madness will happen yeah, you see, in the sports world. Walking out the door, yeah, I was like, I was like, you know, this is the plan for tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. And Bond turns to me and it's like, yeah, you know, it's sports, so I'm sure something crazy will happen. And, and here we are. Here, we, here it is. <laughs> so one thing I'm always shocked about is the moves that people make when I feel unnecessary moves that people make. Uh, I am very high on talent being found in places that people don't normally look. But if you were going to go hard for a player and you're going to do something ambitious, I'm curious to know if they ever considered trying for Donovan Mitchell. Somebody younger, somebody more fits the time frame that it looks like the Wizards are going for? Yeah, because... Donovan looks like he wants to win. Right. <laughs> he just committed to his contract in a couple of weeks ago, in November, mm-hmm. I believe. Uh, November 22nd, I believe. I, w- I would like to know if there were any type of inner workings. I want to know what were the moves that led up to, okay, I think I can go get Russell Westbrook. Right. Like, are you, are you saying you wonder if they exhausted any other options yeah. before they settled on Russ, because Russ does kind of seem like a last-ditch effort to just move on from John Wall. It seems like yeah. the end game here was, whatever we got to do, we just want John Wall out of here. Yeah, which, you know, is it, it is what it is as far as uh, the reasons why John, John Wall and front office seem to be splintering. But as far as on the court, Wall hasn't been on the court much. A lot of injuries, but if you, I don't see what I've I've been perplexed because I've been thinking. Sure, Wall's not on the court, but having Westbrook on the court is would be the same as not having Wall on the court, right? <laughs> yeah, they're because they're completely different players. Yeah, you brought that so up in different. that interview where John Wall's whole thing, like he loves being the facilitator. He's yeah. okay with being like a fourteen and twelve guy. He's mm-hmm. not the guy who needs to go out there and put up twenty five points a night. He's okay with sort of taking that back seat, and we already know he and Bradley Beal, while it's not like they haven't had their own schisms in mm-hmm. their time together, there's something through work there's something to working through some of that and being like, hey, you know, and maybe John Wall sitting on the sideline this year, 
let him realize, well, if we're going to actually win something, maybe Brad needs to be the main guy, and I need to be his setup man. I think the uh, the expression I used a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the potential of Westbrook or John Wall being moved was if you're playing volleyball, you've got the set man, and you've got the person who comes over the yeah. top and spikes it. Yeah. John Wall's the set man. Russell Westbrook wants to be both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, as uh, no skin off of Russ, Russ can be both. He, he's proved mm-hmm. that he can. Yeah. But when you have somebody like Bradley Bill on the team who's going to want to do something, uh, it's good. <laughs> the meme I saw immediately that uh, I saw before I actually saw the report was just the picture of Bradley Bill uh, crying. Uh, <laughs> and th- thinking about Russ taking 50 last shots in the fourth, fourth quarter. Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, this is, this is. I mean, as far as the Wizards go, it, it does help the Wizards' bottom line. Mm-hmm. Agreed from a that. From a business standpoint, to have Russell Westbrook in Washington. Right. That's just huge. And when they get, when they get people back at, actually in stadiums, it's going to be hard to turn people away to not come see Russ. Right. So I understand it from that standpoint, but eventually you're going to have to put a winning, a winner out on the court, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> eventually. Right? I agree. And I think that's why I was sort of confused with the first round pick. Um, I'm trying to see mm-hmm. if I can't find exactly what the specifics on the protections were here. Um, let's see. Okay. I've got it here. So the 2023 first-round pick is a lottery protected for the Wizards. So as long as the Wizards are inside of the lottery Mm -hmm. in 2023, which if you're making a move for Russell Westbrook, I would think you're hoping that you're not, right? Then So if they have the picks 1 through 14, Mm -hmm. they're good. If they don't, if it's outside of the top 14 – that pick will go to Houston. So kind of towing the line there. I think it's probably about a 50-50 chance as to whether or not they get it. If I'm building an NBA team, and you know, you and I do this for fun if we're playing NBA 2K yeah. and doing the my GM stuff, <laughs> yeah. I'm always looking to build teams that are within the same time frame of one another, yeah. right? Like you want stars that are all within a couple of years apart. They can kind of age and come up together and then eventually you may be forced to make the difficult decision of okay hey we might have four or five good players who do we got to let go this adds to me a piece that it's almost like a rebuild because you're starting over you're getting some fresh blood in there that's exciting but Westbrook Chase mentioned it his game doesn't age very well yeah he's already seemed to have dropped off a little bit You've got these young pieces in Washington you just lost the potential for like a 15th 16th 17th first round pick I don't know if I would have done this. I think I would have just bit the bullet with John Wall, given it one more shot, one last ride, and then maybe see if you can do something about it. Because you didn't get any return for John Wall. No, and just the – it's not that Russ is – Russ is one of my favorite players. Russ is great. I love it's, Russ, too. It's I just really did. in this situation, I understood the Rockets situation. I did. I completely understood that because Harden has his best year as a point guard. Right. His best statistical year, his best year on court as a point guard, and you put Russ in at the two, and you let them work it out. It's a traffic jam. I completely yeah. understood that. Right here, sure, you're going to need to feed Bradley Beal, but if Russ isn't getting his shots off, what's the point of having Russ on the court? He's a volume shooter at this, at this point in his career. He's not going to have that volume. It's his stats are going to suffer, yep. and. Uh, 
a Russ with bad stats is not going to make for a happy locker room. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty perplexed by this. I hope it works out because I want to see Russ succeed. I want to see Bradley Beal succeed. I don't want to see any more of his career get uh, derailed or right. held back by the Wizards. But I, I'm just, again, I just want to think who could they have moved for that they didn't get that they were like Russ is available. Right. I'm thinking like I, people who may not have been up, but they were seeing if they could make a move for him, like uh, McCullen and uh, in the Trailblazers, McCullen. Mm-hmm. He would have made perfect sense. Yeah. Perfect sense to me. There's millions of other players that would have made a lot more sense than this move in particular. So I'm sure as more details come out, we'll see a little bit more of their thinking, and hopefully it works out on court. Yeah. I think uh, Chase mentioned how Tommy Shepard, the Wizards GM, came out a few weeks ago and said, we're going to build this team around Bradley Beal. Mm-hmm. And John Wall, as an NBA superstar, is one of these guys who, in his prime, was one of the faces of the NBA. He was, he was one of the most exciting, most popular players. Probably felt slighted. NBA players have huge egos. Yes. And so I'm, I'm wondering, <laughs> with you, it, was this more to do with it's just not working out or – was there more of a basketball reason? Was it more emotional and personal, or was it more directly related to what was on the court? Unless they are, they could very possibly be, these people get paid to do this, could be basketball geniuses, and they see something in a game plan that I have not seen yet. But it seems like a very emotional (laughs) response. At this point in time, it seems like there was some hurt feelings and somebody had to go. (laughs) And John Wall hasn't played in the last two years much. so Yeah, coming off an Achilles, coming off an ACL. He's the one who's going to go. (laughs) Right. So, yeah, it just seems like things soured kind of quickly there between uh, front office and uh, John Wall. And also, the, the legacy that John Wall built with Washington, again, built outside of Shepard's time with Washington. So when he gets there, he's like, you're the Washington Wizards. Right. Like, I don't care about yeah. <laughs> about what y'all have done before I was here. You haven't done anything before I was here. I'm not coming into some type of winning culture. Yeah. So I could see there being some friction there. And you, it's sort of the same thing, like, you know, if a, if a college hires a new athletic director. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, a college football coach, if he's not a legend, gets fired. Gets, he's gone. John Wall's been great. He was never great enough. Did they ever get past the Eastern Conference semis with him? I know they had that matchup with, I believe, the Celtics about four years ago. Uh, they were a four or a five seed that year. That's that's about the – it may have even been a three seed, but that's about the best at Washington. That was the peak. Yeah. And everything's been coming down since then. And I, I think they're probably going to be pretty much the same team this year. A little bit more excitement. But from an excitement factor, and you mentioned the bottom line for the Wizards, it was rumored that Russell Westbrook was going to be moved to Charlotte about three weeks ago, yes. and we talked about that. That would have been a much bigger splash mm-hmm. because Charlotte is way down here. Yeah. The Wizards are expecting, or at least hoping, to be a six seed, maybe, maybe a five team. seed. They're a yeah. playoff team, right, exactly. And they still are that with Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. It just... The whole thing just kind of seems weird to me. I know uh, last night Steve Gilgo, who joins us here on the show from time to time, big Wizards fan, uh, obsessive Homer Wizards fan. Gotcha. I texted him <laughs> when the news came through last night. And I said, I can't wait to hear you spin this one because I think he was on here two weeks ago preaching some nonsense about how the Wizards were going to be a three seed this year. Okay. And he responded, nothing to spin. 
that's it. I guess it'll be interesting, but this is over. <laughs> and he, he's, yeah, so like he just seemed completely, completely defeated. Um, he went on to say, he said, this bleep hurts. Russ better ball out. One of the better um, descriptions of this trade I thought I saw last night was actually from a Reddit user. NBA Reddit, great source for everything. Uh, the Reddit user responded to a thread on this with a sad face. And he said, I don't like it. We ain't winning bleep with Russ or Wall, but I'd rather watch Wall and Beal play than watch Russ throwing up brick after brick. Oh, well, I have zero faith in Scott Brooks and think him still being coach is a waste of time, and I have zero faith in Russ. Feels bad, man. That just seems like the general consensus from Wizards Nation. It's like you just ripped the heart out of this team. John Wall has been the heart of this team for a decade, and in the blink of an eye, it's gone. It's... Maybe in hindsight, we'll all sound like fools when Russ is sitting in at his sixth championship party with the <laughs> with the Wizards. But no, from, but I'm from, gonna go ahead. And, I'm gonna go ahead. And let, <laughs> this hat I'm wearing on my head. If that happens, I will eat this hat. <laughs> but for right now, for my money, right now, it it's one of the more. There's gonna be some backstory yeah. that's gonna come out about this when some people retire. And there's going to be some some hurt feelings over some memoirs that people are going to write about this because something else happened here. I'm giving it. What do you what, what should we set the over under at on this? On like how many games before we hear the report? Bradley Beal has demanded a trade. <laughs> because you know what, in in a real weird, twisted way, that could almost be best case scenario for the Washington Wizards because you know they've got Rui Hachimura who uh-huh. seems like he should be. The figure piece going forward, the centerpiece, I would think, outside of Bradley Beal. They just drafted this foreign guy from Israel or whatever his name is, yeah. DD Advina, or whatever. I'm butchering that. <laughs> My God. Yeah, go ahead. But it's like if they could, if Bradley Beal were to demand a trade, mm-hmm. and the most obvious easy team to throw out is Miami because they have so many young pieces themselves. Let's say you could do Bradley Beal, they wouldn't get rid of him, but for Tyler Hero and a future first-round pick. Or Kendrick Nunn and a future first-round pick. Mm-hmm. Add that to this young core. Then Russell Westbrook wants out. You send him to a team in the East who's maybe close. Send him back out West to a team that feels like they're a explosive point guard away. I don't know who that would be, but because I, <laughs> I don't know where Russell Westbrook really fits anywhere anymore. But yeah. maybe you can get some return back for Russell Westbrook. If I was Washington, I would be I would be less concerned about what is this team going to do this year and more about okay, well now what's next move wise? Because what is what does the window look like for Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal? Does it look any different? Does it look like a smaller window than John Wall and Bradley Beal together? This is a it's a it's just such a lateral. I yeah. you're right. It's I hate just, lateral it's, it's just such a lateral like I don't think this propels them to a championship, and that speaks on nobody's that speaks on nobody's talent on the team. Because I think talent wise, Westbrook and Beal on a two K when we're playing two K, crush it. This could be great. This ain't two K. This is not two K. <laughs> this is <laughs> you're gonna have to actually get on the court and perform. And there's so many variables that you've added in by adding Russ into to the equation. You got to. I, I don't I don't know. I don't know how long this lasts. I think in some mad scientist way, like you were saying, if they have to get w- rid of Beal right. sometime soon, 
it could work out, but it's going to hurt to watch whatever team Bill goes to win a championship. <laughs> it's going to really hurt because wherever <laughs> Bill demands to go, it's going to be a team that's going to get him a ring. There's a lot of teams that are thirsty for Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal is perfect. You mentioned C.J. McCollum earlier. He's, yeah. I think he's a better C.J. McCollum. In the, way. Well, the dude almost averaged 30 points per game <laughs> yeah. last year. He doesn't need the ball in his hand. He can just hang out on the wing. He's a plus defender. Somebody's going to get a, somebody's going to make an aggressive aggressive offer for Washington. The only way that they don't let him go is if this team starts off, you know, winning 60 65% of their if games. They're hot. I mean, if they're hot. That's not going anywhere. They if they're hot, there aren't many teams that are going to be able to compete. They're like in all, the East is just so much better now, though. It I mean, is. For years and years, we were just clowning the East, but you know, you got Milwaukee, Miami, Brooklyn's coming. Uh, Philly's kind of a joke, but Philly's not bad. Atlanta's yeah. gotten so much better through free agency this year. It's if if it works, which is it looks like a very small if right Boston's now. Boston's still up there. Again, I would put if this team can work, it, I could put it up against a Boston. I could put mm-hmm. it up against. Uh, realistically. Now, that's again in a scenario where you don't have all of the other things that you have to worry about with all of the variables that you've added into by adding Russ to this team. But if they start if they get off on the right foot, things start going right, this team has the the right to compete. It doesn't look ridiculous that they would compete. It's just I don't see that happening. Right. <laughs> That's the only thing. <laughs> I don't see that happening because, like, the East is so much better. You lose a couple in the East because the caliber of teams that you're playing, it just messes up what a little bit of chemistry that these two players have. Right. And now Beal is, like, scrolling through Instagram denying messages from LeBron to come play, with, <laughs> <laughs> to come play in L.A. What do you think? I asked him the question. Um who do you think like this move less? And we can throw John Wall in there. Of the three, Beal, who now is teamed up with Westbrook. Westbrook, who's leaving Houston, now teamed up at a team that really is on a far outside shot. Because you got to think Russell Westbrook is getting to that point in his career mm-hmm. where he wants to be ring chasing. I mean, yes. he's getting to that ring chasing point. Yeah. John Wall, I feel like, is probably the most happy about this move. Just because of, you know, it seems like he and Tommy Shepard don't like each other. Yeah. I know Washington's been his home, and I'm sure he loves it, but I think he's probably quickly realized there's not much championship hope in his future in Washington. Mm-hmm. I still got to think Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook is so expressive, and that's one of the things I've always <laughs> loved is. about him. Yeah. He's got those faces where, like, if you make him mad, he will show you and mm-hmm. he will let you know. I just imagine when he got the news yesterday, massive eye roll, massive what? stank face, would not want to be there. <laughs> they they used the, the video of him talking to a reporter. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull yeah. that up, yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> I could I could imagine it. Russ, Russ is probably the most unhappy here. It seems like Russ just is in one of those situations that you don't want to put a guy like Russell Westbrook in. Right. You, <laughs> you don't want to do that for the good of the team. <laughs> so here is a live look. In fact, we've got Russell Westbrook on the phone right now. Uh, <laughs> Russell Westbrook, live reaction to this trade. Russell, we've got to ask you, when you heard from the Houston Rockets last night, and I'm not sure who called you first, whether it was you know Tillman Fertitta, your owner there, your previous owner at the Houston Rockets, or if it was Tommy Shepard, the new general manager, when you were being told that you were being traded for John Wall and you were being sent to the 
dismal swamp that is the Washington Wizards basketball franchise. What was your first reaction? Thank you, Russ, by the way, for taking some time to join the show. What? Bro, what are you talking about, man? Bro, I'm out, man. I'm tripping. Well, there you go. Live reaction from Russell Westbrook himself, who honestly just does not seem too happy. I mean, you're right. He only had a couple of seconds to spare there, but gotta love Russ, man. Gotta love Russ. Gotta love. I just, I'm, I'm very happy for the memes that this will create. Yes, uh, this will create a bunch of memes and make NBA Twitter a very happy place. NBA Twitter is a great place. Uh, I think I talked about it on uh, one of last week's show. Like, if if you're on Twitter and you need somewhere to be. NBA Twitter, just seek it out. Hashtag NBA Twitter. I promise you, you will not, uh, you will not be disappointed. It's a lot, but <laughs> it is a lot. It's the best, the best way to describe yeah. it. <laughs> but I, I wish the Wizards all the luck in the world. I don't like seeing other franchises suffer. We have enough suffering of our own in Knicks land. So <laughs> I just don't like seeing the suffering of other franchises. And I just, at least if it works. We can look like uh, like sort of geniuses for hedging our bets, <laughs> like we like we do on the Cardinals, right? Yeah, now. yeah. Good luck. You guys just drafted a twenty three year old. I'll be topping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh goodness. Well, the Washington Wizards season um, gets underway. I guess preseason. They haven't released a full NBA schedule, but preseason. Uh, let's see. A week from this upcoming Sunday, they'll be taking on the Brooklyn Nets. But excited to see John Wall versus Russell Westbrook down the road. Well, I guess we'll get two of those matchups this year. We That'll should. be fun. That should be pretty fun. Uh, well, the 5 o'clock hour turned into the Washington Wizards podcast here on the Sam Avila Show. Von Casey hanging out here with me this afternoon. We close it down next. All right, so you've got like an hour. A little bit more than an hour to make sure that you are home Sitting in front of your television screens, ESPN 2, 7 o'clock tonight, the number one South Carolina Gamecocks versus the number eight NC State Wolfpack, Aaliyah Boston versus Elissa Kunane, the winner and the runner-up for the Lisa Leslie Award last year in women's college basketball. It's going to be a good one. Vaughn, you told me during the break, you are you are a bit of a women's basketball connoisseur because I'm no... I don't say that I am a huge women's college basketball fan mm-hmm. or or a huge WNBA fan, but I appreciate it and respect the hell out of it, especially when it is a battle of titans, especially when it is uh, – I know what really got me into it was the Maya Moore-UConn teams. Yeah. Uh, I think Brianna Stewart might be the greatest athlete of all time if you look at what she's accomplished so far. Yeah. I think she's up there on my list. Though. She's up there. I was all over uh, Sabrina Ionescu, Ionescu last year and what she was able to do at the college level. This is one of those women's games tonight that is is very much worth tuning in, especially on a night when there's no Thursday night football. There's no other good basketball games going on. Yeah, and look, if you ever wanted to have a reason to get into women's basketball, I don't even want to build it up too much. Watch the game. Yeah. Watch the game. Watch the game. It, this this should be fun. So 7 o'clock tonight, ESPN to the number 8 Wolfpack versus the number 1 South Carolina Gamecocks, NC State, uh, hoping to take a shot at one of the Giants and move themselves into elite status in women's college basketball because 
It's really like if we were playing. You ever play the game like King of the Mountain when you were growing up? Yeah. Where it was like a pile of trash in the neighborhood, and you would all climb on top of it, and you go knock whoever's on top off. <laughs> yeah. King of the Mountain in college basketball for the women's side. There's only like four spots mm-hmm. every single year. It always mm-hmm. seems like you know Baylor's in the mix, South Carolina's in the mix, UConn's in the mix, Mississippi State had a little run there. There's no that, room for anyone else after that. That's what I was going to say. Mississippi State, you, you if you you lose your footing in women's college basketball, you get replaced very quickly. Very quickly. <laughs> yeah, you do. So, so an opportunity tonight. So as we have somebody hammering the roof above us, we had a lot of fun talking Washington Wizards basketball today. And more specifically, Russell Westbrook. And a big thank you to Chase Carroll from WizardsExtra.com for stopping by and breaking down this John Wall for Russell Westbrook trade with us a little bit earlier. But you brought to my attention, as we played the Russell Westbrook clip of him speaking to reporters in the locker room, Actually, Russell Westbrook called into the show if you missed it. Yeah. But but you brought to my attention an older <laughs> clip from Russell Westbrook. So what's the setup here? What is what is what we need to know here? What is some insight or some background on what Russell Westbrook is like that may fill people in on what we are about to play for them? Okay, so this situation in particular, I don't think it was ever exact what the man said uh-huh. to Russ. It was something having to deal with it it was a little bit racial tinge like it was there was a thing that he that he said i can't remember exactly what he said not you know i don't want to get sued by, by anybody who can afford front seat tickets to the wizards right. so but he said something that set russ off and if you are a fan of russ and if you've watched russ you know it doesn't take a whole lot to get to the point where he might you know want to smack you and then if you take it a little too far, he might tell you he's going to smack you. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's play the clip. Uh, this is Russell Westbrook. Uh, it looks like this was from only about a year ago. This is Russell Westbrook on the bench, live during a game. While he was, so this was about two years ago. This is when he was still with the Thunder. On the bench, live during a game, calling out fans may be an understatement. So Russell Westbrook says he will bleep that man up. And then uh, really going over the top with you and your wife. She must have said something too. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all got to leave Russell alone, man. Y'all really have to leave Russell Westbrook. The thing is, dude, Russell's such a family man too. Like he he really, he really is. Like if you look look at his Instagram, like he's got a lovely wife. He's got I think two kids now. He's always like posting pictures, hanging out, spending the day with his family. The dude is family man through and through. Stop poking him. You get on that side, right? You can't poke a guy. I believe Russ is from Compton. I believe that. Is, is Russ what? played at UCLA, so out he in did? that area. Let me see. <laughs> do do some quick some quick Googles to see where Russ Long Beach. Oh my Long God. No, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. No, leave him alone. This is seeing this in DC, this is why as far as the team when we were talking about 
I didn't get to this point, but this is a point I wanted to make. As far as basketball-wise, I don't know if it'll work on court. But city-wise, Russell Westbrook is Washington, D.C. He embodies a lot of that city. They're going to love him there. <laughs> he will uh, He will rep the district well. <laughs> he will. <laughs> oh, man. All right, guys. We're coming up on today's – or tomorrow's show. Excuse me. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we got two fun things we're going to do. Number one, we are going to play bowl game or not. Nah. Bowl game or not, as the college football season is wrapping up and bowl game projections are beginning to roll out, they are as ridiculous as ever. So the game tomorrow, I have compiled a list of real bowl game names, and I have made up bowl game names of my own. It is going to be Von Casey's job to determine which are real and which are fake. Also, coming up tomorrow, inspired by all pe- of all people, the Sacramento Kings. Mm-hmm. And yes, I follow the Sacramento Kings on Twitter. Shocking. I do not know why. <laughs> um, we are going to play a game tomorrow where we are each going to give each other a clue that is simply describe what a player is best known for. And we'll see if we can guess who that player is. So Vaughn's going to be back in here hanging out for a little while on Friday's show. You can always... Check out the Sam Avila Show podcast wherever you get your podcast: Spotify, iTunes, Pandora. We there. We out there. You can follow me at Sam Avila on Twitter. You can check Vaughn on Twitter at Vonk, V-O-N-K-2-5-2. Yes. V-O-N-K-2-5-2 if you need some more Vaughn Casey in your life. Other than that, enjoy the women's college basketball tonight. Go Wolfpack. We'll talk to you tomorrow.